Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports Zone. Jay Catch along for the ride on this Saturday morning. Hope you all are doing well. We are live today at the Uwinna Golf Demo Days down here at Mulligan Golf and Games. Just off 106 South, and you know where it's at, down here on the south end of the valley. Love for you guys to stop by. A number of great vendors out here. We just talked with the Callaway rep about uh, their gear they got going on. We'll have some more of them throughout the rest of today's show. Uh, have some conversations about what kind of gear you can try. The best part is you can come out and hit every club they've got. they got all their drivers, the fairway woods, hybrids, irons, all of it. You can check it all out. Hit as many of them as you want. See what might fit your game best. And uh, First 100 people uh, are getting free food as well, courtesy of you in a golf. You also can enter win free gear from our friends at you in a golf as well. Always appreciate their uh, being a sponsor of the station. Obviously, this really, really cool event. All right. Uh, obviously, the NFL draft is under a week away. Uh, begins Thursday night with the first round and the second and third round Friday. And then finally, the final four rounds, four through seven on Saturday. So this time next week, we should have a good idea of where guys like Dalton Kincaid, uh, Blake Freeland, etc. Local uh, stars should be uh, with regards to where they're picked after the first three rounds will be in the books. We'll actually probably be in the middle of the, like the fourth or fifth round when we finally are on air next Saturday. But I uh, had a great chance yesterday on DJ and PK to have Thor Nystrom on. Uh, he covers uh, the NFL draft for uh, betting pros as well as fantasy pros. Does a really good job breaking things down uh, from a unique perspective. We've had him on the station a few times to talk about this. But he joined uh, PK and Riley Jensen, who was filling in for David James yesterday, uh, talking a lot about what's going on in the NFL draft, what he expects to see go down. So let's hear that conversation now. Here you go. Uh, Thor Nystrom with PK and Riley Lee Jensen. One of the things, there's a lot of stuff quarterbacks always have to run. I wanted to hit you up for a local angle first. Dalton Kincaid, what a story. You know, just barely plays uh, football in high school in Vegas, uh, senior year. A lot of uh, recruiting is already done by that point. Goes to University of San Diego. We know the story here. Comes on Utah, and then this past season, man, just really blows up. What do you put the odds on him going in the first round? Because there's been some talk of that, which would be incredible. He's going to go in the first round, yeah. Um, and I think he has a really good shot to be the first tight end taken off the board. You know, when they dropped those odds initially, it was plus 140 for Dalton Kikade to be the first tight end off the board. I, I have I have tickets on that um, like because I, I think he, he's really in play for that. I think the odds are better than 50%. The, the trump card that he has, it, it's the thing that he has over Michael Mayer, his competition for that. It, it's the receiving element, but specifically being able to go down the field and get it. And he also creates separation in the intermediate area. And if you put it anywhere in that guy's catch radius, he's catching the ball. Like his, his hands are truly insane. That, that's the thing that really jumps out about him. Um, the, the USC game it might be the most, you know, the first one I'm talking about in the regular season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the more impressive. Well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it's hard to get that game out of your head. And what was so interesting about it, you know, you guys know, I mean, he caught 16 or 16 targets in that right, game, right. almost 250 yards, whatever it was, two touchdowns. What was so interesting was you go to the Pac-12 title game that Dalton Kincaid playing through a back fracture, clearly labored, but USC had gotten so spooked by him from the game before. They're still throwing multiple guys at him in coverage. And as you guys know, that opened up all the spacing for, for the, the youths, his teammates of his, and, and helped him beat USC again. Uh, because of that trump card of his receiving you, uh, ability, I, I, I do believe that, that, like I said, he's in play to be tight end one. When you are evaluating uh, different players, how, how if, if, if it's a, for example, if it's a group of five player, is, 
performing well on that level any different than performing well against, you know, P5 competition? Do you have to go look at them perform against P5s? Or is that level good enough that you don't have to, you know, painstakingly look too much at who they're competing against? Yeah, I mean, you're you're definitely looking for proof of concept that they can beat, uh, like, analogous competition, you know, that they're going to be facing at the next level. Uh, Jim Nagy, the senior ball director, talks about this, about the importance of bringing those, you know, guys, FC, you know, whether it's at G5 or, or even going lower FCS or, you know, in the past they've, they've even taken the D2 or D3 guys, about how we want to see good on good. Um, and some of those guys, they had less opportunities to play good. A kid in this class that I think about with this, it's Tucker Kraft from from South Dakota State, the FCS school. Um, his tape is is interesting because he he is so athletically gifted that he's just dusting these FCS guys, and he's wide open on a lot of the times when he catches the ball because of his athleticism. Yes, but you know that that's not going to be the same case at the NFL level. He's going to have to learn how to run uh, his routes with a little bit more nuance and different stuff like that. He ain't just going to be able to win with the athletic explosion. But, yeah, I mean, th- th- that's why you like to see those kids go to some of those different things or you you, you investigate their tape a little bit more against the, the higher-level competition. Thor Nostrum, NFL draft writer for Fantasy and Betting Pro, coming at us. Uh, what type of movement in terms of trades do you expect early on? Because I'm hearing, you know, just listening and reading as we do that – for instance, um, quarterback, obviously, is a hot commodity, and you've got guys going to go at the top with uh, Carolina looking like a young. We'll see how that plays out. But then you can make a case, uh, Houston, they need somebody. I suppose Arizona's uh, okay with uh, Murray, but then you've got uh, the Colts, and they could go with a quarterback. Do you think that the Cardinals could actually move down and maybe get a Will Anderson, or is he just that good that maybe even the Texans would take him knowing that they need a quarterback? Yeah, well, you know, as as far as the Texans and the quarterback and and Will Anderson, the odds have have drastically shifted on that pick in the sports betting markets where now Will Anderson is moving closer to, like, being the coin flip shot. At least from the public perception, that is something else that I have a ticket on. I, everything that I have heard out of Houston is that they're going to bypass the quarterback at two. And some of this stuff, you know, people out there might be wondering, like, how, how is C.J. Stroud, you know, a guy that was talked about with Bryce Young, how could he potentially start to fall a little bit? Why wouldn't the Texans just take him at two? Well, first off, because the Texans make wonky decisions. But second off, C.J. Stroud tanked the S2 test. That you know, that, that's like the new wonderlick. You know that the NFL uses. It's more of a processing in the moment thing, where the wonderlick was more about just like your, you know, your memory basically. Um, and and CJ Stroud, I think he tests. He, he was in the 18th percentile. Bryce Young was like in the 98th to the 99th percentile in terms of their scores in that. So so that that's what could you know lead Houston away from CJ Stroud and to a guy like Will Anderson. And if CJ Stroud's stock has fallen far enough. Has that dried up Arizona's uh, trade market for the number three pick? Would they just sit in that slot and take a defender? And that's where it starts to get interesting with C.J. Stroud. Because, we, you know, all, all process I've heard that Jim, Jim Irsay of the Colts loves Will Levis. You know, is, is that going to be an argument in the room about Levis against Stroud? And if the Colts end up going with Levis, I don't think that Seattle's going to take Stroud at five. Detroit ain't going to take him at six. So that's where it starts to get interesting, you know, as far as the, the trade possibilities or, or where does C.J. Stroud end up uh, going. Who's the guy 
right now that is sliding up the draft boards that maybe we'd all be surprised about? Who, who's the guy that you're just like, wow, this guy's really like making some moves on the draft board? Well, one who's sort of doing it uh, a little bit clandestinely, I think, is Keon White, the uh, the you know edge dash defensive lineman from Georgia Tech. He can do a whole bunch of different things, but he was sort of a late bloomer who had started out at Old Dominion on the other side of the ball, and then he you know eventually you know shifts and then he transfers eventually to Georgia Tech. But he's just this freak of an athlete in a huge package. So you you can play him outside. You can you know on early downs you can shift them inside to, to rush the passer on passing downs, but because of that wonky profile, I think people have had a hard time putting their finger exactly on where he's going to go, but the NFL tipped us off last week that he could be going a lot higher than people think because he was one of the 20, 22 guys or so that were on the invite list of the first round. The NFL doesn't invite you to that unless they think you have a real good shot to go on the first round. Right. Yeah, no question about that. When I was a kid, man, running backs were where it was at. I mean, it seemed like that was the glamour position. And obviously it shifted, but the kid from Texas, Robinson, uh, still, I mean, looking like, you know, he's head and shoulders above everybody else. Is he a first-round pick? And then who would be the second pick as far as running back, and where do you think it would go? Yeah, Bijan's definitely a first-round pick. The, the the chatter around Atlanta and him has not stopped. Uh, the number eight slot would be too rich for my blood, personally, for a running back, even one as good as him. But it it, do, it does seem like Atlanta is interested. So the, the B. John Robinson watch begins at 8. And the band of outcomes for him is anywhere between that slot and the 26th. He ain't falling past Dallas. If B. John Robinson gets the 26th, the Dallas Cowboys will keep him home, move him from Austin to Dallas. And, you know, obviously Dallas had cut Ezekiel Elliott. B. John Robinson would profile to, to, to play, or, you know, be a really good compliment for Tony Pollard. So I, I think it's anywhere between that eighth slot and that 26th slot. As for the second running back, I got a different one than I believe the NFL does. I think uh, Jameer Gibbs of Alabama is going to be the second running back off the board, probably at the very top of the second round. Um, I, I like his game a lot, too, and, and he's going to be able to kick, uh, return kicks for you. He's a fabulous receiver, stuff like that, but has the small frame. So he's not going to be able to handle as many touches in the NFL, you know, you probably not even get up to 20 per game. You're going to have to choose how you delineate that usage. If you want to use him as a returner, if you want to throw the ball to him five to six times a game, you're going to you have to mitigate his, his carries a little bit. So for that reason, the, the guy that I rank a little bit above him is Zach Charbonnet at UCLA. I think Zach Charbonnet is the only other back in this class outside of Bijan Robinson that from day one in the NFL goes in and is the starting bell cow that you can give him as many touches as you would like. Uh, Zach Charbonnet is very underrated. He, he started his career at, at Michigan with, with a you know ballyhooed recruit, got on the field uh, immediately at Michigan, and he played well. Then, then he like the COVID season was a little bit wonky for him. He ends up transferring to UCLA. The past two seasons, he was absolutely awesome. Uh, last year, he was uh, near the top of the nation in terms of uh, force missed tackles. The, he was also at uh, top 15 in elusive rating. And he's a very underrated uh, receiver for being a bigger back. He doesn't go out and do the stuff like Bijan does. He, like, you're not going to be able to put him in the slot or whatever. Like, and he's, he's not going to go out and run down, you know, wheel routes down the seat and whatnot. But, like, p- having him as, as the safety blanket guy, he's extremely reliable. He does not drop passes. 
and he is really difficult, just like he is as a runner, to get down once he has that ball. Because for a bigger back, his movement in short short quarters is really good. So he, he changes the angles on defenders right before contact. And then the off-angle attempts and the arm arm tackle attempts, he just runs through them like a turnstile. So, I, I, I like I said, I think that kid's underrated. I, but I, I think Charbonnet more goes late second round to Gibbs' uh, top of the second round. There's a number of, like, trends that have happened over the years. Obviously, you know, after Lawrence Taylor – you know, defensive ends became super important, and that's why the movie Blindside was written. Offensive tackles are now super valuable. Is there, is there any other position like that right now that would surprise us that is that is shooting up in value for for different teams? As opposed to saying one position, I I will say versatility because the NFL is moving more to positionless football really on both sides of the ball, right? Like, I mean, like, you know, we, we for a couple of years, the buzzword was defensive chess piece. You know, they, they, they were looking for guys that, that could move all over the place and then go into the slot to, to take care of the big slots and coverage. You know, if, if the opposing team had, had one of those guys, you're seeing it way more on offense now too. Like, th- think about a team like the 49ers, where every time they come out of the huddle, it's like they've shuffled the deck and you have no idea where guys are going to line up. Where's Debo going to line up? You going to line up on the outside? You going to line up in the slot? You going to line up in the backfield in the running back position? Christian McCaffrey lines up all over the place. You know, in the backfield predominantly, but he'll go out. You know, slot uh, boundary. Ayuk, you don't know where he's going to go. Kittle, you don't know where he's going to go. That fullback, they line him up everywhere. So, like, um, be, the ability to play multiple different roles or win out of various uh, alignments, or uh, for, you know, in your formation, that is becoming the, the important thing to, like, the, the forward-thinking NFL organizations. Thor Nystrom, NFL writer and fantasy for Fantasy and Betting Pro, had the opportunity to go down to the Swamp last year. It's just one game, obviously, when the Utes played down there. Anthony Richardson is an incredible athlete, but, man, I just don't know that I was that impressed with him as a quarterback. And Obviously, my exposure to him is very limited, but I keep hearing his name, and he's a kid that seems like he's getting a lot of run, more so than it was when the season and then throughout the offseason and now with the draft coming up here soon, it seems like it, that his name is being prominently mentioned. Where do you see it going? Yeah, to, to me, I, I I tend to think he's going to be the, the either the third or the fourth quarterback off the board. You know, some of this stuff is going to depend on if a team is super duper bullish on Levis. They, we hear conflicting reports on the Levis stuff. Of the, there's these couple of teams that that potentially like him a lot. We we heard that the Houston might like him more than other folks too. I, I mentioned the Colts, um, but that's going to inform that. But for me, Anthony Richardson is a clear step and maybe two steps above Will Levis. And I know that the Raiders like uh, Anthony Richardson a lot. So if Anthony Richardson were to, were to get down to seven, I, I think that's where, where it ends for him. But as far as that Utah-Florida game, I remember that game. I, I was watching it live. Anthony Richardson made some plays at that game that I don't know that any other quarterback on planet Earth could make. And I'm specifically thinking about that two-point conversion play. I still haven't been able to get that thing out of my head where the Utah had the two free rushers on him yeah. on a play concept that was designed to roll him right into it. Like any other quarterback is just dead to rights there. Somehow gets away from the two guys. You did that that crazy like I'm in the ma- I'm Neo in the Matrix, like jumping up in the air, pirouetting with the pump fake, and then running around the other kid. And then you had the receiver in the uh, wide open in the back of the end zone. The, that didn't win the game for Florida, 
but it more or less did because you could tell that the, the the spirit had just been stolen, like the soul had just been stolen from the Utah defense after that. What could you do? So, so those are the kind of things, of course, that you're thinking about when you're projecting him to the next level because these these prospects are all not going to remain static to the level that they are right now. Anthony Richardson, his his athletic uh, trump card in that physical package, the the arm strength. And then the other thing I'd say about him is I, I think he's just a little bit underrated in the pocket. People always toss out his completion percentage. And, of course, you know, you look at the last 10 classes, the first-round picks in that, he's going to be near the bottom of the list in that. But if you merely change the metric that you're looking at to on-target percentage, he goes for near the bottom to shoot and weigh up the list. Because his receiving core last year at Florida stunk, and he was learning another new offensive system, too. In fact, he was playing for his fourth different offensive coordinator the last four years, his fourth different quarterback coach the last uh, four years, and I believe his third head coach of, of the last four years. But the, the receivers in particular did not impress. There was balls clanging off their hands, like, all the time. Pearsall and shorter and just like I mean he would put it on the money a lot and, and that would happen and that that contributed to some of the accuracy stuff you do have to work on his mechanics for sure but the one thing I'll say is I'm more bullish on him than, than Levis with regards to this because they both have the inconsistencies with their mechanics but Levis has no pocket presence he doesn't sense the rush whatsoever and once he does denote it like the, that the enemy is at the gate he starts making wonky decisions. He panics. You know, so he'll put the ball up for grabs or, or different stuff like that. Richardson's the opposite in that regard. He he senses the pressure for sure. Doesn't panic under it whatsoever. I mean, again, go back to the Utah game or go back to any of his other game film. He will allow those free rushers to get within mere strides of him, you know, while he's still looking down the, the gun barrel downfield because he – Anthony Richardson knows that at any moment he can spring in either direction and then accelerate out of sticky situations. And so these rushers have learned, like, man, we got to approach this guy with extreme caution. You know, it's like it's like a zookeeper approaching like a lion that has gotten out of the cage at the zoo. It's like you got to be very, very careful in that situation because once Anthony Richardson, you know, does that thing, springs one way or the other, now all of a sudden he's broken containment. Now, now all the alarm bells are going off at the zoo and you're in trouble. Also want to hit you up on Jaron Hall, see what you think. Uh, where is he going to go? Is he going to get drafted? Um, I, obviously, we can't hold you to it exactly, but maybe what round? Uh, I do think he'll get drafted, yeah. You know, I, I mentioned the, the S2 uh, test earlier. Uh, results came out. Our, our friend Bob McGinn, who, who does a really good job of uh, – putting out info that the baby some would prefer that he didn't but today or maybe it was today or yesterday he put out on his thing the uh the, the s2 percentiles of a, of a bunch of quarterbacks we got confirmation of that cj stroud had, had scored very low but we also seen that jaron hall scored very high uh, i i forgot if he was 92nd 93rd percentile something like that but the nfl for quarterbacks that is something that they absolutely pay attention to and that was good to see for hall because uh, he last year you were hoping to get a jump in his game and you didn't really get it and then he goes to the senior ball I, I was down there in mobile he did not impress at the senior ball um like it, it just was not a good week for him and interestingly enough i flew out on on the friday jaron hall sat in the the, the seat behind me on the airplane we flew to dallas first you know i don't know if he'd be flew back to Utah after that or whatever. But, yeah, he, he left before the, the game was played that week. But, you know, the, the opportunity then to to do that test where maybe that salvages some of the, the dropping stock, I think between that and between some of the, the physical tools that you've seen, that, that's the one thing that impresses about him. He, he has a good arm for his frame. He's athletic. 
and he has like the you know a guy that played the multi sports in 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 his background with the baseball stuff like that. He he gets the arm, the ball out at different arm angles, like some of those different guys that you seem to be the multi sport guys in the past. That that's a trait that that translates to the NFL if if you have the other stuff to go along with it, because you're going to be in tighter quarters, you know, as far as the pass rush whatnot. The, the ability to maneuver the ball out of there, but there's still a ton of inconsistencies with his game. I just think between the the, the physical tool set, sort of the ball play on that end of it, and then the proof of concept of how he processes information that, that he showed quantifiably with the S2 thing, that's going to cause a team on day three to throw the dart on him and then put him behind a guy as their sort of developmental pep project. There you go, uh, Thor Nystrom with the uh, betting and fantasy pros covering the NFL draft. Interesting to hear him talk about Jaron Hall there at the end, but you heard him say that he's a guy that NFL teams will be high on simply due to the fact he's got that cognition test, such a high score on it, but he was really, really high on Dalton Kincaid, obviously, and as everybody should be. Dalton Kincaid's going to be a first-round draft pick. He's a very, very good football player, and we'll be tracking all that throughout the upcoming week, getting ready for the NFL draft. But we are joined now by Steve from Wilson Golf here down here at UNA Golf Demo Days. And, Steve, uh, you mentioned this right as we were talking. Wilson is a brand that people know Wilson as the brand itself. Right. It's a huge sporting goods conglomerate. It's got a million different things. Wilson Golf, though, is kind of having a little bit of a resurgence here. Can you explain what happened with all this? Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, Wilson does dominate. They're they're number one in racket, basketball, football, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Golf. I mean, anyone that's you know my age or near me knows Wilson Golf. Sure. I mean, they were a powerhouse, and yeah, let's just say Wilson took their eye off the ball as far as golf's concerned for okay. for a number of years. They have new ownership now. Focus. They're big focus on golf and that's mm-hmm. what got me i mean i spent the last 15 years of my career with tricks on and oh, all right wilson gave me a call and told me about their plans for the future and it's mm-hmm. bright uh, we just launched a new line called dyna power okay the driver's fantastic the new the stuff is really good we our stuff can compete with anybody now uh, it's going to take a minute but sure. we're, we're heading in the right direction for sure well that's what i wanted to ask you about because we obviously know that there are brands that just hold a lot of the weight in the golf world do you feel like it, with wilson in particular and some of the like, i guess this can lend out to some of the small the smaller brands you kind of have to prove it you have to have guys actually get a hold of that club and go out there and hit it to prove that hey this is just as good as what those guys have. A hundred percent. And that's why I'm here on a 40 degree day, <laughs> freezing, <laughs> freezing our tails off. Yeah. yeah. It, no, it, 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 it just won't happen overnight, but, uh, but just slowly and surely the things are growing. Sure. You know, we just came off our best golf year ever in uh, 2022, 2023 is off to a bright start. Awesome. But yeah, it, it's going to take time. You're going to see more and more of it on tour. For example, um, we just signed Kevin Kisner, sure. which is, you know, very popular, um, out there. I think he's number five on the PPI. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's stuff like that. And again, it's not going to happen overnight, but the plan is big. And I think in the next year, two, three, four down the road, we're, we're going to be up there and maybe compete with the big boys a little bit. Okay. You mentioned Diana power, your guys' new line. What, what sets it apart? Yeah. So it's, so Wilson, I think most guys that really know golf, um, their irons have always been incredibly sure. solid yeah. in the driver game. Maybe not so much. Okay. And that bit. was before I was there. <laughs> <laughs> this so, is not your fault. This is <laughs> no. This has nothing to do with me. But the the new driver is fantastic. Uh, we have two. We have two drivers. We have a titanium and a carbon. Okay. So we've got a titanium driver out there for someone that wants to hit it higher, a little more draw enhanced, more game improvement. But then our carbon driver is fast. Um, we've been kind of blowing up. It's been fun. A lot of the big YouTube guys like Rick Shields and stuff have okay. dubbed yeah. their 2023 driver of the year. 
which is awesome. Yeah, so absolutely, yeah, getting that kind of rep, yeah. We've been getting some really good publicity. The driver performs. There's no doubt about it. So we're 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 off and running. It's been fun. And everybody can come out and hit both drivers today. I'm yeah, assuming. yeah, we're here uh, with you in a golf, yeah. uh, and with a bunch of other manufacturers sure. too. But from uh, ten to three today, and it's I did say it was cold, but it's warming up a little bit. Yeah, we just need the sun to come out. That's all. <laughs> that would be nice. If the sun came out, it would it would definitely be a, actually a really really nice day. But nonetheless, so okay, so Wilson Golf, uh, you guys are just down the way here. Uh, stop on by. Anything else you want people to know about the brand, what you guys are doing these days? Yeah, so, you know, golf clubs, we're in a great direction. Sure. Golf ball gets overlooked a lot. Okay. And, and we've got three three premium balls. All right. Uh, the duo, and I've got some samples. Uh, next few guys come down and say, you hear it, i got some samples for you. But we've got we've got a ball for everybody. The duo is a great all-around ball. Okay. Uh, guy looking for a little bit more distance. It's long and soft. Sure. All the way up to our tour ball. So, we, yeah, come see me and... Uh, Mention the 1280 and Jake, and we'll uh, we'll get some balls for you. I didn't even know that Wilson had a ball. I'm not going well, so to lie. So I need I need I need to I need to get my brand awareness up a little bit. Obviously, well, Steve, thanks for stopping yeah, by, Jake, and we'll listen people your way. All right. Okay. Have a great day. All Appreciate right. Uh, coming up next, we'll get to five minutes stuff. Talk about some of the other stuff going on in the sports world. This is the Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports Zone. We are live at Uinta Golf Demo Days down here at Mulligan's Golf and Games. A number of people, it looks like the driving range is filled up pretty nicely. So if you guys want to stop by, they're going to be out here until 3 o'clock this afternoon, letting you essentially test any and all uh, clubs you want to test out, drivers, hybrids, uh, irons. They've got them all here. Uh, eight different uh, manufacturers out here. We've talked with Callow. We talked with Wilson just barely. We'll have some more of them on before we wrap up today's show. But uh, a couple of things we need to hit on before we move along. We call this five minutes of here on the show. Talk about some of the other topics in sports we have not had a chance to discuss yet. And uh, Corey, I know you've got a keen interest in this one in particular because you do have season tickets. Real Salt Lake uh, back in action tonight, uh, taking on the San Jose Earthquakes. A little bit of a gut punch loss last week down there in Dallas. Yeah, it's been it's just been tough all around. I mean, there was the the highlight a couple of weeks ago when they scored the three goals within about mm-hmm. a six minute stretch. There, that was a lot of fun being out at that game. But sure, I mean, this team just can't score. They just can't <laughs> find a way to put the ball in the back of the net. And uh, that game against Dallas, I mean, I felt like they were the better team. And for most of that game, they were the better team, but just couldn't find a way to get the ball into the back of the net. And that's kind of been the theme uh, outside of that one little barrage where they score three goals in six minutes. And outside of that, this team just can't find a way to put the ball in the net. And with Krylock being down, that has really hurt them as well. It's just it's been a rough start. I I had a little bit higher hopes for this team coming into the season. And right now uh, they need to figure out a way to score some goals because even you can, you know, between the 18, you can play and dominate possession and dominate, you know, uh, all of that. But if you're not putting the ball in the back of the net, the other team just gets a counter on you and boom, they put it in. And you're like, what just happened? Yeah, well, that's the thing about it is you're right. We, I think we all thought, okay, they've been able to manufacture goals in previous seasons with, I guess, not what I'd call elite uh, attacking talent. But this mm-hmm. year it's been an absolute slog for them. Uh, San Jose will be an interesting matchup tonight. The weather uh, should be cool. I don't believe the forecast has much rain in the forecast. If it does, it obviously could change a few things, but yeah, you're right. The biggest thing for RSL, you got to score goals. you got to find a way to manufacture them. Uh, two years ago, Demir Krylock had his breakout season, uh, obviously with the 16 goals, 9 assists that he had, but then he's lost for the entirety of last year, and they found a way to score goals then, but so far this year, you're right. It's just been... 
it's been t- frankly terrible just watching them in the attack because it just seems like you're right. The Dallas game, they were in many respects the better team, but when you get in front of goal, you've got to convert those chances. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is like people, if you don't follow soccer much or haven't paid that much attention to RSL yep. at this point, you would say, oh, okay, that's great analysis. They need to find a way to score more goals, but they have had like. <laughs> prime opportunities, times where they get ahead on the ball and head it right to the keeper. I mean, it's just you've there are certain times where you look at it and you say it's harder to miss a goal there than it is to score a goal. And they found ways to miss on those goal opportunities. So it's not just because they're creating good chances. It's one thing to say a team needs to score more goals. If they're not creating good chances, then you're like, hey, they need to figure out a way to create chances before Mm -hmm. they even worry about getting it in the back of the net. This team's creating a lot of good chances. They're not finishing. And that's one of the most frustrating things, I think, uh, for Pablo Mastroeni and for all these guys is that they're getting the opportunities. It's that you don't get a lot of really great goal scoring opportunities in a soccer game and they get too many that they don't cash in on. And that's the most frustrating part. Well, you're right. It's absolutely because they are, they are generating the chances. There's no doubt about that, but you've got to cash in. There's no doubt. And, uh, we'll see what they can do tonight. Uh, obviously, they got two straight home matches here uh, that, uh, in terms of MLS action. They will, at midweek, be actually headed to Las Vegas. They're going to take on the Las Vegas Lights in the U.S. Open Cup competition. Uh, the Vegas uh, faithful down there, the soccer fans down there, very excited for this. Because the way I understand it, this will be the first MLS team to ever uh, play at Cashman Field uh, where the Las Vegas Lights call, call home. And that's really US. cool for those yeah. for, for oh, these yeah. you know smaller level teams to be able to have these MLS teams come in. I think mm-hmm. I'm not I, I don't love the US Open Cup for the MLS teams, sure. but I do love it for all the lower division teams and other league teams that get their shot and get their crack at the MLS teams. Well and, that, and that's the thing about this is it, it's an opportunity for those clubs. They they can sell season tickets off and stuff like mm-hmm. this because you don't see those teams come into those venues very often. I'm assuming at some point in the relatively near future uh, Las Vegas will be the home of an MLS club. I just they, everything else is going to Vegas these days. We'll talk about the A's here in a minute uh, with the with the baseball side of things. It just seems like there's going to be an MLS club there, but for the time being, Las Vegas Lights, that's the highest level they've got right now, which is USL. It's it's Tier 2 or Tier 3, depending on how you look at it in the U.S. Uh, soccer hierarchy. But for the uh, for an MLS team, a top division side to go down there is a big, big deal for a club like Las Vegas. And that'll be Wednesday night, 8 o'clock. Uh, it'll be a late night uh, for uh, RSLs. They look to advance in the U.S. Open Cup. Obviously, going down to Las Vegas gives home turf advantage to the lights. All right, let's talk about the baseball side of things, Corey. And I know you're a guy from the Midwest. Uh, you did sports radio out there. How big of a deal in your mind is it that the A's have officially signed a, a binding agreement to buy a big chunk of land down there right off the west side of the Strip, essentially in Vegas, and they're going to move to Sin City? Well, I think it's big in the sense that this is something that's been talked about for years and years and years, <laughs> yeah. and finally, it, finally it's done. I mean, it would appear that at this point it's going to happen. I can't imagine any uh, Hail Mary or anything happening that would keep them in Oakland. Uh, so it's big in the sense that Major League Baseball has plans, it seems like, to expand. But they're not going to expand until Oakland and Tampa figure out their situations. So now you've got one of those two teams down. Oakland's going to be in Vegas. I think it's great for Salt Lake because, you know, Vegas is another one of those markets that you're like, okay, Vegas and Salt Lake, which one would get a team first? Well, now Vegas is going to have their team. So if they do look to expand out west, it's, okay, is it Salt Lake? Is it Portland? I think this was really good news for people who want Major League Baseball in Salt Lake. I know most of the people that listen to sports talk radio are in the (laughs) camp that, yes, they want baseball 
uh-huh. in Salt Lake, but I think there's a lot of people that are like, we don't need to spend more money and bring another professional team into town. But you and I, I know, are firmly in the camp of we'd love to see baseball here, and I think this was a, an, an important step for Vegas to get a team before Salt Lake so you didn't have to worry about competing with those guys down in the desert. Yeah, absolutely. Big League Utah, obviously the group that announced the plans to build that new stadium over there on the west side of Salt Lake City. Uh, Steve Starks, who obviously is the CEO of the Larry J. Miller Group of Companies, uh, he tweeted out in the aftermath of that news coming out on the Vegas front. He said, this is what we had in our calculus. This is part of the plan. Mm-hmm. We, need, we needed this domino to fall uh, in, our, in the hopes of uh, getting a major league team here to Salt Lake City. And there was an interesting point made, and I hadn't really considered this, Corey, and I'm going to run this by you and let you kind of weigh in on this as well, is that the reason why Salt Lake may be attracted is because there is no major league franchise that's going to be at least 400 miles between Salt Lake and any other major league franchise. Whereas Seattle potentially, I know there have been talk about maybe Lincoln, Portland, and Seattle to have two regional rivals. Well, Seattle kind of dominates up there in the Northwest, and Portland's only 175 miles away from Seattle. So does Seattle want another franchise that close to them, whereas Salt Lake gives them a little bit of separation, and Salt Lake's far enough away from both Vegas and Denver, as well as Arizona, that it gives them more of a regional aspect. Yeah, there's no doubt Seattle would fight it. Seattle would yeah. fight hard to keep it away from Portland and you know I mean realistically a lot of this comes down to dollars and oh, how yes. you're going to be able to support the teams and yeah. Salt Lake has the money uh, not only the city but all the businesses I mean the the way this city is growing and businesses that will come out corporate sponsorship dollars and then just the people that it would be willing to invest and buy the tickets and try to keep that place you know full it's just it, it comes down financially Salt Lake makes a ton of sense I think whether Wise, it's going to be tricky. You know, it's the same thing. You know, I'm a Royals fan. I grew yeah. up, you know, or I spent the last 20 years in Kansas City. So I'm a Royals fan. And when the Twins decided to build their stadium and didn't put a roof on it, everybody's like, Nobody wants to go up to Minnesota and play sure. those games in early yeah. April. And so I think Salt Lake's going to face some of that. But ultimately, the weather in April and the weather in October and November is a trade off for what you'll do for the dollars that will come in and the support that this city would give. Well, and I, here's the thing about this: you can build. They have those new, like if you saw the SoFi Stadium down there in uh, L.A. Mm-hmm. It's got that like plexiglass, the glass look where you can see outside. They could do that with a moving uh, roof if they needed to here in Salt Lake, and I would actually advocate for that to have a closed roof. That's just my personal opinion on the matter. By the way, uh, I've got a funny note for you, Corey. I know you're a Royals guy. Uh, I've been to Kauffman Stadium, but I've never seen a Royals game. It's kind of funny, isn't it? What'd you do at Kauffman? At a concert? Went for, I went for a tour, and that that's it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just uh, it's funny. I, I can say I've been to Kauffman Stadium, but I've actually never seen the Royals play in person. Well, so. you know what? Outside of a two and a half year window, you didn't miss much. Outside of watching the Royals in <laughs> sure. the second half of thirteen, and then fourteen and fifteen. Outside of that, it's been pretty bad baseball. But uh, we yeah. had we had some fun times there winning a World Series. Absolutely, yeah. You, you, this is the thing about it. You, you you capitalized on that short window that was open for the Royals. They got they got the championship. That's all that really matters. Like there are other teams that have had bigger windows open and have never actually gotten to the mountaintop, and that's what the Royals did. No, so that's, that's it's, it's a debate that we had many times in Kansas City of Would you rather be Tampa? Where you're in and you're out, you're a competitive team, they've been to two World Series, but they haven't won either of them, or would you rather have the Royals, where really it was like a two and a half year window, Uh and they went to two World Series and won one of them, and I said, give me all the losing seasons, because I wouldn't trade in what that run was, and actually winning the championship, getting that payoff is just huge. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, well... 
I'm hoping we get it. I'd love to see Major League Baseball here along the Wasatch Front, but it's probably a ways off. But nonetheless, we'll continue to track all that news. But uh, big news, obviously, with the A's signing that deal and obviously having the Oakland mayor say, hey, we're ceasing all negotiations starting right now. So sure looks like Las Vegas Athletics, they'll be there. It looks The plan is to have it done by 2027, uh, get them into Vegas by 2027. But we'll see what happens. All right, we will come back on the other side, get some final thoughts, wrap up this edition of the Saturday Show. You're tuned in right here at 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on DKSL Sports Zone Live today at the Unit Golf Demo Days in Sandy at Mulgan's Golf and Games. Obviously, been having a great time out here. Weather has uh, been okay. It's been a little gusty and whatnot, but I've got a guy who knows something about playing uh, baseball in all kinds of weather conditions. Ryan Hancock, he was on with us a few weeks ago, a pitcher for the, in the big leagues with the Angels, obviously. Ryan, what's up, dude? Well, just here hitting some balls and going to see what clubs i want to go with this I, year. I, hey I, I don't blame you one bit i'm actually going to sneak over and start hitting some as soon as we're done with the show but uh you heard us talking a little bit about baseball how big of a deal would it be for you personally as a guy who was in the bigs to have a major league baseball team called salt lake home oh that would be just so awesome i mean of course it'd be hard to give up my um fanhood with the angels but um <laughs> It might just have to happen. I, I'm trying to decide if I'd look rather have an American League or National League team here. Um, I've always favored American League. But, sure. Um, you know, it'd be interesting either way. I mean, who cares? Just get a team here. That would be amazing. And you and I are both AOS guys. I'm a Mariners yes. guy. So I, my, I, Lloyd, who works with us at the Zone, me and him were talking about this. We want an NL team here. And mm-hmm. the reason I want it is because I could still support them, yeah. still support the Mariners because they're an AL team, but I, the NL team could become my – and you also bring in the Dodgers, the Absolutely. Diamondbacks, all that type of uh, – yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people that would love to see a National League team here um, just by thinking about the, the fans that are around here. Man, there's a lot of Dodger fans. Um, you know, you got to think – I think there's more National League fans here probably than there is um, American League fans. There's um, a large, large Dodgers. Yeah, and, and then sure. you're going to have the A's down in oh, yeah. Vegas. Yep. So yeah. if you want to see American League teams, that you can go there. So, I, I, yeah, I'm with you on that, actually. I think National League would be better. How crazy is it to think that the A's are going to Vegas? Um, Man, <laughs> that place is a dump. <laughs> I can tell you, I pitched there. I pitched there, and it felt like... You're talking about the Coliseum in yeah, Oakland. Yeah, I pitched at the Coliseum, and... It honestly didn't really. It felt like like it was a football field, really. Oh yeah, well, it's, it did. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's from that era of the multi-purpose yep. stadiums. It had football in there. It had baseball, and that's the thing about it is anymore they've gone to team or sport specific facilities, which are far better for the fan experience in particular. Yeah, absolutely. And, and gosh, I mean, looking at the renderings of the stadium, they're going to possibly get going here. Uh, how exciting is it? I mean, it's it's just awesome. There, you, there's gonna be excellent following here. Yep. Um, you know, I and it it's gonna be rough if if we get pushed off for a couple <laughs> more years. But but I think I think we're good. Us and Nashville seem like really good options. Well, yeah, and that, that's the thing about it. The interesting thing I learned when they announced the Big League Utah thing announced it, they said that essentially Major League Baseball is looking at it as, a, as one Western expansion, one Eastern expansion yeah. side. I didn't know that that was kind of in the plans. I, at least I didn't know that ahead of time go, coming into all this discussion. Yeah, um, definitely there's there's a little bit of a hole out here, and definitely 
Salt Lake's in a nice spot um, as far as pulling in a fan base. Um, you know, I, 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 I think uh, that's something they're looking at as well. But I think definitely they are wanting a, a, West, a West Coast team. It'll be fun to have it. We'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting to see how it all goes down. I, I, I think the earliest it comes is probably the late 2020s, probably early 2030s. But uh-huh. just get it here. That's all I care about. Have they talked anything about that new stadium possibly – being something that could have a retractable roof? Uh, I, they, in, when they first did that press conference, they didn't mention it. The renderings didn't have it on there. But uh-huh. I'm just thinking, it, for early and late season type games... Why not? I need mean, it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's, it would be crazy not to. I mean, really, it's just going to be April that's going to be rough. Yeah. Um, October is great here. I, I think typically, October's yeah, great. You, every so often, you can get a little bit of a, a crazy yeah, cold snap. Yeah, you snap. might get you might get a cold snap, yeah. um, but but I mean, honestly, you know, that's deep in the playoffs. Yeah, um, you'd, be, you'd so. be you'd be making a run at that yeah. point to get to that level. But we'll see what happens. Another uh, thing, real quick, Ryan, before we let you go, I know you got to go hit clubs and whatnot. <laughs> uh, how excited are you for BYU football this year? Oh my gosh! I already have um, my tickets for for Texas set up. So, um, and it's crazy to hear what they're doing with TCU on the, you know, they're gonna basically try to keep us out of there. But I saw that. But yeah. hey, that's just. I mean, that's that's a sign of respect for us. They know about our fan base. We're gonna come make some noise. Um, well, and TCU should know better than most because they spent time in the Mountain West and yep. the WAC with BYU. They, they, know, <laughs> they know. They know. They yeah. know. Cougar fans will travel in droves to watch. Them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think everyone in the Big 12 is excited to see us come in. And we're definitely the, the, the team of those four expansion teams that I think people are most excited about. Yeah, well, it's going to be fun. It's a fun new era, by the way. Like, it's crazy to think it's just it's a couple months away before it's official. It's, it oh. feels like it's been coming for a minute because the announcement came almost two years ago. Absolutely. Like. Yeah, I know. It, it you know. Time time flies, but um, man, it's going to be so exciting. It's 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 here. It's it's you know no more waiting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ryan, thanks for stopping by, man. Go go hit go hit some long ones for us and <laughs> find out what. That's the fun part about this. You can hit all these clubs and give them a shot. Oh, absolutely. Um, you want to get them all in one place? You can, can compare them a little bit. Um, uh, you know. It's a little bit chilly, but it's not raining. Hey. Yeah, that, that's the positive. Yes, there's yeah. no moisture out there. That's the nice part about it. All right. Well, Ryan, thanks for stopping by, my man. Hey, we'll catch up with you soon, all right? Yep. Okay. Thanks. There you go. Ryan Hancock, obviously former BYU quarterback and pitcher, uh, joining us here. Obviously, uh, he's been out here hitting golf clubs. If you guys want to stop by, we'd love to have you guys stop on by. Supposed to be having a rep here from Tor Edge uh, stop by, but uh, we'll see what happens on, on that front. Uh, just kind of waiting on see if we can get this. Uh, one more thing, Corey. Uh, real quick before we go here, you're a guy from the Midwest, from Big 12 territory. How excited are you to have BYU and have Big 12 teams come out this way? I'm excited because it gives some stability to the Big 12. I mean, I, I'm an Oklahoma sure. State guy for people who wouldn't know that. I went to Oklahoma State, and so I was really worried uh, when all this stuff started happening, and I knew that if Oklahoma and Texas left, that Oklahoma State was going to be vulnerable. So BYU being a huge brand coming in, I think lends more credibility and more stability to the Big 12. Uh, I would say I'm more excited about them coming to the Big 12 than any of the other schools that are coming just because of the national brand that BYU has and, you know, the history of success that they've had. So I'm excited for it. And I also love that that means uh, Oklahoma State will have some games up here in Provo that I'll be able to go to now that I've moved to Salt 
like. Well, I was going to say you're you're an, you're an Okie State, Oklahoma State. You're an alumnus, obviously. That that's, that's probably exciting for you, obviously, to have them come in essentially to your, to your hometown to watch. Yeah, that's uh, th- th- we were excited about that. When we're moving here. I'm like, hey, they'll come up. They'll play basketball here. They'll play football here. Uh, every, I, I don't know exactly how the schedules are going to work out once sure. once all the dust settles and how often they'll be coming to Provo. Uh, but they should at least be coming here for basketball every year, uh, unless the conference expands and turns into some kind of juggernaut conference. So, well, it'll be interesting. You're right because the schedule is obviously with 12 teams a little bit different. We'll see how it all shakes out. All right, uh, we are going to have Chris here from Tor Edge joining us momentarily to wrap up this edition of the Saturday Show. Chris, you can toss that headset on right there. Uh, and Chris, uh, Tor Edge is a brand that I have seen. Like I've seen advertisements for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but explain what Tor Edge is. Like, where's it from, etc. So Tor Edge is out of Chicago. Okay. It started in Chicago. Sure. It, uh, we've been in business almost 40 years now. Awesome. Um, the parent company is Tor Edge. We have yeah. two lines that we're actually showing today, and that's the Hot Launch and the Exotics line. Okay. It's all about technology. Yes. Hot Launch <laughs> is going to be just more entry-level stuff. Okay. Um, Exotics is going to be completely customizable. Okay. But uh, one of our biggest things is we have a lifetime warranty on every club we sell. Really? So anytime you have any sort of issues, if we can't uh, fix the issue, we replace it with something that's comparable. So that's so that's, lifetime warranty is, uh, is one of our biggest selling points. That's awesome. Yeah. You talk about technology. Golf yeah. is so tech- technology-driven these yeah, days. Yeah, absolutely. How much... Like, I guess, research do you guys do on an annual basis, et cetera? Um, I mean, we've invested a ton. So we yeah. have a, a, one of those robots back yes. in Chicago that yeah. we're using that we test all of our shafts against all the different heads. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, when it comes to other manufacturers, Callaway, TaylorMade, something like that, yeah. we we don't have quite the advertising budget sure. that, uh, that those guys do. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, we put a ton of research into, into all of our stuff or, you know, with – where we've come from yeah. and to where we are now is just leaps and bounds ahead. Okay, so exotics, it sounds like a really like fun term. Why, why term it exotics? Like what? That would be one I'd have to ask. Okay. Uh, so David Glaude is the, yeah. he's the, the co or the company yeah. uh, owner, founder of, mm-hmm. of, of Tour Edge. Yeah. And um, exotics, I, I honestly don't know where the name exotics come from, but so I won't lie about that. But you say it's completely customizable. Completely, you, you, yeah. You can set it up from the ground up. You can set up everybody's club the way they want it. Correct. Spent. Absolutely. Yeah. How, how much? Okay. How how important can that be for a golfer in your mind? Um, even even like we're talking yeah. like an entry level player. It can be very important, especially for getting fit. Yes. Okay. So when we want. In the game, we want to make sure that we are we have the right club in our hand, whether it be uh, the length of the club, whether it be the flex of the shaft. Um, I mean, we have so much ability to help a golfer now mm-hmm. turn a right miss into something that goes sure. straight with yeah. weights on the club and all that. So mm-hmm. it, it once we get it set, we may not tinker it with it too much, mm-hmm. but for us to it, be able to adjust it that way is very it, it helps us a lot get get more golfers into the game. Everybody wants to hit it long, they want to hit it straight, exactly. and that's what you're trying to set it up exactly. for. Well, yeah. hey, uh, you're going to be here until 3 o'clock obviously with the Absolutely. Golf Demo Day. Yep. Stop on by. You can check out all the, you got all, yep. I say all your club set up and everything, and hit yep. everything you've guys got essentially in all your lines, right? Absolutely. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Well, Chris, thank you for here. stopping by, alright? Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. it. There you go. Chris right. from Tor Edge. you got a number of other reps down here with you and the Golf as well. They'll be out here until 3 o'clock. Uh, we are going to be wrapping things up here on the Saturday show, but a big thing Thank you to all of you for tuning in. Once again, stop on by down here at Mulligan Golf and Games. they got the taco truck out here as well. Uh, first 100 fans uh, stopping by, getting free food. they are also got a giveaway from our friends at UNA Golf for free gear as well. I believe I heard him talking about giving away a driver potentially. So uh, 
if you want to win some free gear, stop on by. They're out here till 3 o'clock this afternoon. Big thank you to Mulligans and you want to golf for having us out here. For Corey, I'm Jake. Have a great rest of your Saturday. This has been the Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone.